0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Hicks podcast. We're here getting it in once again, time and time again. We are simulcast. We're going to be on Stitcher, on Anchor, on YouTube, and on iTunes. So we are here getting this work in and we are entering the dead zone where you got July, which is if you're doing sports and you're not doing baseball, you're really struggling for goddamn. Uh, I am challenging myself to not struggle for content as i am trying to uh prove that if you are creative enough and you got enough ideas it really shouldn't matter what time of year you're talking about you can do current things you can do historical things you can do all types of things in order to create content and you just have to think you just have to be creative so that's what i'm going to do turn this mic down a little bit because the game is really ridiculous right now so gonna talk a little college football today and uh one of my favorite project, one of my favorite programs is actually clemson football i really appreciate clemson i appreciate davos Sweeney because i think they have a very old school type of feel to it it's very family oriented people they and um i'm i think it's a testament to doing things in a kind of an old school manner where you know uh the culture that you're trying to create is very important that you have the right people that it's a family group It's like, one of the things i like about clemson is that they actually don't recruit at a crazy high level they recruit usually between like 6 and 10 11 but they don't recruit in the top 5 or top 3 like every year like Georgia top 3 um uh Alabama top 3 Texas A&M top 3 LSU usually somewhere between like the 1 and 5 something like that over the years but Clemson historically does not recruit at an elite level they all one of the things other things that they don't do is they don't give out a lot of offers uh for those of you who follow recruiting the way that I do mean to do a show where you follow recruiting specifically takes a lot more time, and I'm just not going to follow it like that, but I'm interested in it, and I want, I'm want i going to continue to be interested, and I'll drop things uh, in the show here and there about recruiting. So they don't recruit at an elite level, especially for a team that has performed at a high level. They get it right where they need to get it right, and they develop, and I really like the fact that they get the right people, not just players athletically on a football field, but good people that fit their culture because every time you bring in a knucklehead who's a great player you gotta understand the knuckleheads they affect your locker room and they affect your team when they affect your sideline in ways that you can't imagine they are doing things on the side away from the team that are going to affect your team so having a guy that's got the physical attributes and the right uh, culture, the right personal culture to bring into your organization and then give him the physical development to make him a great player might be a better idea than getting somebody that is a ready-made athlete who is a problem child in the classroom or in the locker room uh, may not be too bright. And nobody talks about that in sports. Some athletes just aren't that bright. And especially if you're Black, you can never say that. You can never say that a Black athlete isn't smart. And sometimes they're not smart. And sometimes that affects what you can do with them, and what schemes you can put them in, and how like how much they study, how much they're able to react. They can physically move. They can physically do a lot of things, but nobody wants to bring up that elephant in the room. Maybe guys just aren't that smart. But you know, back to the subject. Um, they focus on developing players. They don't give a lot of offers. Um, most teams are gonna offer. I don't know between three between like two fifty and three fifty offers uh for what is now maybe 35 slots so it used to be 25 period so like where you're bringing in transfers or you're bringing in high school kids now some pro- players were having teams were having so many problems with players leaving that the 25 that they were allowed to bring in really wasn't replenishing their depth on their program, they could bring in 25 and they would leave, leave 15. So between like graduating kids, and then kids going out to the transfer portal, they couldn't even give out 85 scholarships. So they were having a lot of problems with depth. So they have changed the rules in NCAA, that you're able to get up, I want to say to a believe 32. So if you lost a bunch of kids, you can take, you know, X amount of um, high school kids, and then you can bring X amount of transfers up to 35 kids if you lost a lot of kids. So they've made that a little better. But most programs are gonna offer somewhere between 250 and 350 offers, offers, and I'm putting up the air quotes for those of you who are only listening on uh, audio, offers for f- at most 32 slots. How is that possible? It's not possible. And if you're in the recruiting game and you got a friend that's getting recruited or you got a child that's getting recruited, most people don't know that. And you think that if you're, getting an offer that you're really getting an opportunity to play college football for that team and that might not be the case so Clemson tends to only give out somewhere between you know like 70 and 80 offers a year because they're very very picky about who they offer they have some guys that are top five guys in the country at their position Clemson won't even look at them Clemson's like not for us he doesn't fit what we do. He doesn't fit our culture. He doesn't fit what we're trying to do offensively or defensively. There might be a lot of reasons. Academically, we don't have to have guys that we got to worry about. This just doesn't fit what we try to do, and that's important to them, and I appreciate that. And the other thing that's unique about Clemson is that uh, their administration had faith in a long-term strategy. There were some times when um, Clemson was really struggling. For those of you who don't know, uh, Dabo was a – I think he was a wide receivers coach when Tommy Tuberville – was fired and then he was uh, elevated to be the head coach. He wasn't even the coordinator. Matter of fact, the coordinator I want to see left with Tuberville because he was so pissed off that he got his wide receiver coach, got the head coaching job instead of him. So uh, that internal thing of like uh, developing coaches and developing players from within is very important to him. So these are really great attributes that you want to have for your coach it creates great culture uh is a great communication and like a a kind of a faith between those coaches and those players and the head coach and that you're here because you fit what we want to do culturally if you're a coach we expect you to develop we expect you to develop players but we also expect you to develop as a coach and when opportunities come In this organization, you're going to get the first opportunity at those jobs within this organization. So maybe guys develop and work hard at that development because of the opportunities that they know they're going to give because Dabo puts a lot of faith in the guys that he brings in. I appreciate that. Having said that, sometimes, and this is hard to do because he's been really successful it's really hard to get away from something that has worked and something that you believe in wholeheartedly and you've built your entire organization around. They've been to the playoffs six times. They've won two national championships. They've been to one and you beat Nick Saban to do it. Like it was like, it's not like it doesn't work. It, it works, it, it, it has been working. But one of the more difficult things that I've seen in sports is can you pivot? When things start working, when the rules change, when the situation changes, can you change with it or do you lag behind? If you lag behind, the speed of the way things are changing right now, with the transfer portal, with uh, NIL, and with the hell with the, the conference moving, conference is moving the way that they are. The speed of way things are moving right now is breakneck, and if you're going to be stuck in the way that you did things before and not move along with the times, you're going to get left behind, which concerns me. But the main reason I'm doing this one is I I I look at this and I've done a show kind of like this before on Clemson. It, it, it certain something is kind of sticking out to me that when you're too closely tied to your culture like one of the things is he's not really um embracing like Dabble's not embracing the transfer portal um when Alabama has problems Alabama just goes into the transfer portal and they and they solve their problem right now like we need receivers go into the transfer portal and get the two best receivers that you can not only can they do that they can kind of just look around college football and be like uh huh, this receiver that we really liked who decided to go to Louisville because he would have gone to Louisville and he would have gotten playing time right away. We couldn't offer him playing time right away. You know, but he's got that type of opportunity and that's what he wants to do. Good for him. But Alabama has got enough money to have analysts that do nothing, but watch those guys and say like, yeah, uh, how's that receiver doing over there? No, he's great. Louisville's terrible, but he's great. Like, Oh, why don't you um, drop a little line to the, you know, his parents or someone of his boys back home or maybe his seven on seven coach or his trainer that he works with in the off season that, you know, should he happen to be in the transfer portal, Alabama would be interested in picking him up. Next day he's in the transfer portal and next year Alabama has solved their wide receiver problem. Yeah. Alabama can do that because most people would break their neck to be on Alabama's team. Alabama can do that. So when Alabama has a problem, Alabama can fix their problem. Clemson has not embraced the transfer portal at all, at all. Like, they, had, they have offensive line problems. I believe they brought in one offensive lineman in the transfer portal. It's just not what he – when you have a philosophy of developing in-house and you say to them, well, why don't you go to the transfer portal? Somebody like Dabo goes, if I don't have the type of guys in the organization already, either we brought the wrong guys in. Or we're not developing people like we said we were going to so that me to bring somebody in that is a vote of no confidence to the people that we already have in this building i have faith in the guys in this building i have faith in the people that develop the people in this building so i'm not going to go ahead and just wholesale bring people in because if i got to do that i didn't do a good job well maybe you didn't Davo. i mean even alabama has to realize some, sometimes think about it, like ajay hall and uh jaleel billingsley two four four and five star players they're gone they they were good football players but when it came time for them to be focused and be ready to play they weren't when it was time for them to call on to be to do their job they did not and in Alabama that means you leave but because in Alabama that means I can just go and get somebody else but what happens at Clemson when that guy doesn't do what you thought he was going to do you're not perfect in your recruiting and we'll get to that in just a second But you're not perfect in your recruiting. So when somebody doesn't work out, you just stuck with a hole, with a guy that you thought was going to be the guy for you, and now he's not, and now you won't go get somebody else who could fill that hole, and then you got to start somebody that may not be ready to start. And now what are you going to do when you need weapons for a quarterback like DJ who, you know, isn't turned out to be what you thought? Um, His loyalty might be – he might be loyal to a fault. And I, the main reason I say this right now is because of his um, coordinators. So he had two these two long term coordinator coordinators. He had uh, Tony Elliott and Brent uh, for the offensive coordinator. Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, probably one of the better defensive coordinators in the country. And Tony Elliott and Brent Venables both get head coaching opportunities every single year. Every job where a power five job comes in, those are the first two calls you're probably going to make uh and for years they have just said no i think i'm not i'm happy where i am they were paid very well they have a a great organization they're treated very well so they stay where they were uh now uh venable's got his dream job he's over at oklahoma and then uh, tony elliott for some reason took virginia i am still not really understanding why that is it's a very good academic school i know he's an engineer by trade it might have something to do with it but um I don't think he went there. It's it's kind of a weird choice to me. But now Clemson has to make that choice as to who I want to bring in to fill the role of offensive and defensive coordinator in the same year at a, an elite program. What do they do? Hired from within. Hired from within. Part of their philosophy is like, if I have to go outside this organization to fill these roles, I am not doing a good job of developing my coach. And I'm not being honest with them because I told them that I was going to give them the first crack and give them the opportunity to have those jobs. And remember, he was an internal hire when when uh, Tommy Tupperville got fired. They brought in Dabo Sweeney as a position coach. Never even been a coordinator, I don't think, and brought him in and made him the head coach. So he's going to pass that type of thing on that gave him an opportunity and good for him. But it better work because the dude he hired as a defensive coordinator is really unknown. And uh, the guy's name was uh, Wes Goodwin. So, never heard of him before. I mean, that doesn't mean that like, he's a bad choice, but it means that he had an opportunity to hire pretty much anybody. Now, mind you, Streeter, the guy, Brandon Streeter, he uh, played college football as a quarterback. He has been a play caller at multiple stops, not like huge stops. But, you know, I think he was calling at like Richmond and someplace else uh, pretty close by. But um, he has been a play caller. He was not the play caller the last few years. He was a quarterback coach. And now he's going to step up and he's going to be that quarterback coach and play caller for Clemson. Good for him. Hope it works out. But you had an opportunity to literally interview and hire Anyone, anyone, you could have hired the best play caller from FCS. You could have hired uh, the best play call. You could have hired an offensive coordinator. Hell, Jeff Levy was available. You could have hired Jeff Levy from, from, um, Ohio, uh, from Ole Miss. And uh, where does he go? Goes to Oklahoma with Venables. But you wanted to hire from within. I'm not saying it's a terrible thing. What I'm saying is it kind of better work because this is going to be looked at if Clemson struggles as to why did you do this? Why why is this who you chose? And it's, always, it's all good when you've won a couple of championships for a while. But eventually, people expect to win now. And you've already had a bad season. Two bad seasons in a row. People are going to start calling and they're going to start asking questions. Now, not to say that he's, gonna, he's not on a hot seat. Let's not go that far. Not everybody that's having struggles is on a hot seat. However... I imagine it's going to be a problem and uh, it's going to be something that's going to have to be fixed rather quickly. So, um, speaking of being loyal to a fault, let's talk about DJ Uyunglule. Um DJ, the year before, DJ had, he took over for uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, when Trevor Lawrence got hurt and played really well, not just adequately, I thought he played really well. And I figured, like, you know, they've they, they they had uh Deshaun Watson, then they had Trevor Lawrence, and now they're going to DJ Uyunglele, 6'5, 250 pounds. He's also a, a major league baseball prospect, throwing 98 mile power gas. He is he's big, he's strong, he's all of that that you would expect, and looked like he was going to be the heir apparent to Clemson, uh, quarterbacking, which has been elite, obviously. So he didn't do well last year, not at all. So when I say not at all, I mean kind of like egregiously not at all, not not good at all. Um, he he completed fifty five percent of his passes in college. That's not good. Uh, he only threw for two thousand by two thousand yards. That's also not good. He only had a six yard completion, uh, a six yard average per completion. That is exceptionally bad. And he threw nine touchdowns and ten picks. That is egregiously bad. So on a situation where, and they had um, they had to start a running back, at, uh, a freshman at running back, uh, Demarco Bowman the year before transferred uh, very early. So they didn't have the depth at, at running back. And like I said, they don't tend to carry a lot of depth anyway. They're, 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 their roster is small. Their recruiting classes are small. So when they have a problem at the top, there's not a lot of depth underneath that at Clemson. They expect a hit on the guys that they bring in. They develop; that's good for them. When they don't develop, they have a hole, and they don't go in the transfer portal to fix it. So they didn't have uh, another viable option at quarterback when DJ did bad. So DJ just kept being bad because there was no other. As bad as he was, he was the best option. That is as bad as it was. Sometimes you just write it off and be like, you know what, we're. You're gonna suck, and we're gonna suck, but you're gonna get better, and we're gonna get better. We're gonna lose this as an opportunity to look at what you can have, what you do well, and evaluate, and and see what we can get better at in the offseason. season. But this does obviously need to get better. So now enter Cade um, Klubnik. Cade Klubnik is a five star quarterback out of Texas. I want to say he played for um, Westlake, and um, if you've ever seen Texas college football texas college, texas high school football is probably a better watch than like most fcs uh football like you'll see more great players playing for katie or duncanville or um alito or DeSoto than you would if you were watching honestly Rutgers. to be honest with you there's better players on like if you saw duncanville Play DeSoto. There are more four and five star players on those two teams than you will be on Rutgers, than there will be on Temple, than there will be on Villanova, than there will be on most teams, uh, I would say, in the Northeast. Between those two high school teams, you're going to see better athletes, faster athletes. Will there be better performance? Probably not. But the offensive offenses will be fantastic. The size of the players, the speed of the players will be absolutely amazing. So if you get an opportunity go to YouTube and look up some Texas high school football, if you've not done that, it is really, truly spectacular, to be honest with you. Um, So uh, so he is he is all of that. He was he is on campus and he was there for the spring game. was he great? I don't think he was great, but I do think he was better than DJ and DJ didn't do anything during that spring game. to make, to give me any kind of confidence that he's learned much or that he's gotten much better. Uh, the speed of the game this might just be the speed of the game for him. Um, but also I think um, last year he had Travis Etienne and I think people just really did not give the impact of Travis Etienne credit. And now he's gone and what's the big deal with it? Well, the offensive line wasn't great and Travis Etienne's not there. So that might be a major reason. Um, I think Klubnik is gonna take this job, and I think he's gonna take this job fairly quickly. Here's the problem. You can't bench him right, you can't bench DJ right away. If you remember what happened when Trevor Lawrence, when Kelly Bryant got hurt, Trevor Lawrence came in, he took that job and he never gave it back. So when that happened, Kelly Bryant transferred like mid season, like October, like beginning of October. Because if the way he transferred, he still had some eligibility and I could actually play, I think that season, or not either that season, but it wouldn't count against his eligibility if he transferred when he transferred. Had he transferred like two weeks later, it would have counted for a part of his eligibility, and he would not have been able to start because Trevor Lawrence was obviously the guy. So I think you're in a situation where you you have to play DJ for the first couple of games to give him the idea that he's going to be the starter for the rest of the season and to make sure that he does not transfer because if you tra- if you bench him now – and he transfers, you have no depth behind Cade. So if Cade gets hurt, or if Cade ends up not working out, you're in the same situation, he's still the best option. Even if if he's not playing well, and if he gets hurt, the depth behind him is is bad. Like, um, there's a behind Cade club, like right now DJ's one, Cade, uh, Cade is two. Behind Cade is a grad transfer from Northwestern and a Uh, Redshirt sophomore walk-on that has not seen any time of any kind for Clemson. So here's how the schedule plays out. So I believe DJ is going to get benched early in the first couple of games. So uh, the first three games, you got Georgia Tech, Furman, and Louisiana Tech. Those games are cake. If you can't beat those games with like, just roll your helmets out there and win the football game, Clemson is going to have a bad season anyway. So I imagine DJ is going to get to play maybe half of those games. And you'll start to see this if things are going the right way. You'll see DJ playing, DJ playing pretty well. DJ throws like three touchdowns and they go, Hey DJ, you know, no reason to have you in there. We don't want to risk you getting hurt. Why don't you come out? We'll put Cade in, get Cade some some, some reps. You know what I mean? And they're going to evaluate Cade and they're going to get Cade ready. And then the next week after that, they're going to play Furman. And Furman... If you want to get DJ some stats, I guess, you put him out there. I wouldn't put him out. I wouldn't put Cade out right away. So I'll start DJ, let DJ play a quarter and a half, maybe a half, and then put put Cade in. Excuse me. So um, because the three games are so cake, though, you get the added bonus of it doesn't look like you're benching DJ or that you're prepping Cade because this is what you would normally do If you're blowing a team out, you would would bench your starters and then you would put in the backup. So this has the added bonus of not looking suspicious when you're doing it. Um, Then after that, you got Louisiana Tech. I don't know a whole lot about Louisiana Tech football. I will be dead honest with you. I don't think I'm alone in that unless you happen to be an alum or a fan of that program. So um, I'm going to say that Clemson should win that game handily and pretty uh, easily. So that gives you another opportunity to give Cade those reps that he's going to need to be. To be ready for the week after that. The week after that is Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest is a respectable program. They're a respectable program mostly on offense, though. So, if you are having trouble moving the ball against Wake Forest defense, I think that you have a legit reason to bench DJ at that time. Uh, and we will be doing it early. That would be, I think, the the Wake Forest game is the first week of October. And that should make it so that, you know, DJ kind of has to stick around. If he's the type of guy that you think he is, he'll stay there and he'll be the backup and then transfer. This will be his, this will be year three for him. And I would say he was a red shirt. So he's a, he is a red shirt sophomore. So he can play out the rest of the year, play baseball, transfer after that, and then still be a viable option for somebody to be a quarterback in college football or hell, maybe he can switch positions his brother plays defensive end and tight end who's going to be a a very good high sc- uh, uh, college prospect in his own right probably going to go to Ohio State because he's a, an elite defensive end and um then K-, K can can do things going forward but here's the thing Clemson's got to get this right because this is going to start to affect recruiting one of the other things that Clemson also did very well was Clemson did not have a lot of attrition they didn't have a lot of attrition in coaching or in the transfer portal players did not leave clemson a lot so that's starting to happen as well so when players are leaving and you're not going into the transfer portal and you're not bringing any in that's also a problem so um the way things are going clemson is the only viable product in the acc did they win it no last year uh won it but um it's going to be really important that Somebody step up in the ACC, or the ACC might be going off the way of the Big 12 and it might be going the way of the Pac 12. If you don't have a few more options, because right now Clemson's it. Not that you don't have brands, because you've got Miami and you've got Florida State and you've got North Carolina. You have brands, but their football programs are not performing. When you put this on paper and you look at the ACC, you got Virginia Tech, you got um, Clemson, you got Boston College, you have Miami, you have uh, Florida State. There's no reason that there should not be four or five great college football options for you to play uh, ACC football, but there's not. And because of this, you can see what's happening in the other places where there's only one or two good options. Those one or two good options are leaving. So Texas and Oklahoma left uh, uh, for the SEC. And now the Pac-12, uh, USC and UCLA, by the way, UCLA is not really a viable product, but they are a good brand. Um and between those two schools, you're going to get the entire LA market for college football. So though they're, now they're going to the to the Big Ten, look at Clemson, look at Clemson. Like, in order to make that a vi- viable conference, they have a bad TV deal. If Clemson is still good and still a great viable product, they might be the next team looking for a come up. They might be trying to join the SEC. They might be trying to be joining the Big Ten. Be great, good move for the Big Ten. To get that footprint, they got a west, well, a west foot, west coast footprint, and then you get down to Clemson, got a south, a southern footprint as well. Might be a good look. So, and the other thing, the problem is, is Miami. Miami is coming. Miami is recruiting. They're behind all. They are going to own the transfer portal. They are recruiting very well right now. Miami is a sleeping giant. If Miami and Florida State get their stuff together, and Clemson still stays in the nineteen in, in the nineteen nineties with their thinking. Uh, they're not going to be the same program going forward as they have been in the last five or six years. So, for the betterment of this program, for the the viability of the Clemson program, uh, I hope that Dabo makes good decisions when it comes to the quarterback, because uh, they have been making good decisions at the quarterback for the last few years and and recruiting them and developing them. But if this one doesn't work out with with DJ, you have to start Cade and you got to develop him and you got to get this program on track fairly quickly. Or I believe Miami is going to come hunt you down. So Dabo, let's get it together. Love you guys. Take it easy.